Hello and welcome to the Personality Pitching Podcast. My name is Michael Clark. I am a coach and consultant that is devoted to helping startups and entrepreneurs create deal-closing pitches and get their projects funded. Thank you for choosing this podcast. My hope is that you are searching for funding of some sort and in the in the uh, space of pitching your product, your idea, your startup, your app, whatever it is that you're pitching, you found the right place because I'm going to help you hone your pitch, refine it, um, test it, and make it the best pitch possible. I thoroughly believe that with a great pitch, you can get your project funded. There's a lot of great ideas out there and a lot of great concepts that don't get funded. Why? Not that they're bad ideas. No, I said it. They're great ideas. They're, They're great opportunities, but they don't get funded because of bad pitches, because of bad pitch meetings. Some projects will never see the light of day. Now, a little bit about me. I have a background in both marketing and media, and over the last 10 years, I've coached dozens of startups, writers, producers through the process of pitching. I created personality pitching with a genuine desire to help people learn how to deliver powerful deal-closing pitches, fund their businesses and projects, and ultimately fulfill their desires and dreams. Because connected to all these projects are desires, dreams, wants, needs, families, real people are behind these ideas that you pitch. Through my personal experience of pitching both successes and failures, I created a method of pitching based on personality. It takes into consideration the personality of the person pitching and the person being pitched. Now, I don't want you to mistake that for some watered down guru type thinking of, oh, if you're if this is your personality, you should pitch them this way or that way. And If you think the investor's personality is this, you should do that. No, that would be guessing, like throwing darts at a dartboard. I'm not saying that. But there are certain cues that you can pick up on that you can use to shape your pitch. You can use to steer and guide the pitch meeting. There are certain things that you can do when you create your own pitch to assure that you're bringing out the best in your own personality and the personality of the project. Because even a project a product, a story idea, a concept. There's a personality behind all those also. So personality is a big part of this. And it kind of happens without people acknowledging it. I always use Shark Tank as an example. Each of those sharks have a different personality. And the approach has to be different with them all. Now, the, the people that come out and pitch, they pitch one way. And the one way they pitch is based on the personality of the individual and the personality of the project. Each project, whether it's a script, whether it's an app and a product, they all have personalities. And when you recognize that, then you're going to shape a pitch that doesn't sound like some cookie cutter with, okay, here's a product, here's the problem we're solving, here's our solution, here's our marketing plan, here's our five-year goal. No, it shouldn't sound like that. It should be very personal. It should take shape based on the personality of the person pitching. It should take shape based on the personality of the project itself. Now, again, I'm not, this is not compared to a sales approach of personality styles. It goes much deeper to human needs and styles of communications. And we'll unpack this concept over future episodes. One of the main reasons I started coaching on pitching and pitch meetings is because someone walked me through the process. Now, right now, 
You can go to Google and you'll probably find dozens of articles and blog posts, but most give you a very surface approach, very surface information on the topic. I wanted to create a source with a much more step-by-step detailed plan that was very practical, very concise, and to the point. Now, I've had a lot of success with pitch meetings. I've had successes with my clients. Some of my clients have raised anywhere from $100,000 all the way up to $10 million using the strategies that I'll talk about in these podcasts that I talk about as a consultant and, and coach, but I'll, I'll definitely be unpacking many of those strategies on future episodes. So you may be wondering, like, who is this podcast for? This podcast is for anyone who has a startup, any entrepreneur, anyone thinking about a business and uh, creating a business. And it's not really going to be tailored to someone who's an expert and done 10,000 pitch meetings. No, you may be coming to this podcast and you've never pitched before and you're looking for guidance. You are more than welcome here. Or you may have done pitch meetings before, reached a certain level of success, but you know there's more out there. You, you know you could do a little bit better. Maybe your closings need a little bit of work or maybe your introductions are a little little tough, or maybe you have a tough time articulating the numbers in a pitch meeting, be it the marketing or revenue numbers, you've come to the right place. I'll give you tips and give you information how to overcome a lot of these hurdles. I've had to do the same thing myself. So whether it's your first time or you've done dozens of meetings, you're definitely in the right place. Now, the podcast is going to be set up so that each episode I'm going to focus in on giving you more and more knowledge about an aspect of pitching. Now, this will include how to prepare for a pitch meeting, how to get a pitch meeting, how to close, how to read the room, how to respond to objections, how to respond to a hostile investor. I've dealt with plenty of those. But there's a way and there's a technique to deal with all of these things that can come up during the process of pitching. Now, we will be approaching pitching from the ground up. So this podcast is for those, again, that have never pitched, as well as those that have seen a measure of success pitching investors. And when I talk about investors, I'm talking about everyone from angel investors, venture capital firms, private equity, all the way to friends and family. And I know when I say friends and family, some of you are like, no way. I'm not asking my friends and family for help. My friends and family don't have money you would be shocked how many people I've heard that from, that once they put together a professional package and presented it to Uncle Joe, they were shocked to find that Uncle Joe was able to give them an investment. So we'll talk about how to approach friends and family. It's very different than how you approach an angel investor, but it's very similar in that you still have to have a solid package, a great product presented professionally, show your potential to be profitable, and the ability to clearly show how that profitability will be achieved. Not some, well, if these 15 things happen and there's another this and that. No, no, no. It has to be very clear how the profitability will be achieved. And I'll show you how to articulate that. So I really want you to get the most out of each episode. I ask that you come to each episode with an open mind. I say this because whether you've never pitched before or you've pitched a dozen times. Some of the concepts 
I may tell you about may conflict with things you've heard or even tried. Or you, you may have this, you know, vast pitching experience and you say, you know what, that'll never work. Look, this is what I say. And I can say it with confidence. My clients have used the same strategies that we'll discuss and they've had some really amazing results. And, and lastly, before we dig into the topic for this episode, again, I want to hear from you. Please send me your questions, your comments, your feedback. I need to hear from you to make this the best podcast possible on pitching. I know it may sound cliche, but there's truly no me without you. I want to make sure that I'm covering the topics that you care about most. For example, if you, you want to resolve an issue that you're having during closing me meetings, I want to help. You know, let, let me know how you're, how you're ending those meetings. What does it sound like? What are you running into? You're unable to lock in investors to even get a pitch meeting? Well, I, I want to help. How are you setting up those appointments? Their strategies and even setting up the appointment. Do you want strategies about pitching friends and family? I want to help. And also, if you think something I said is absolutely crazy and nuts, will never work, or you've tried it, or you think it goes against conventional thinking, I want to hear about that too. And if it goes against conventional thinking, that's actually a compliment because I do try to do things a little bit out the box. And you'll see that, that you want to be a little bit different to stand out. So let's jump right in for the topic for today. I want to discuss the seven tools you must have for a successful pitch meeting. Now, some of you may be totally tuning me out because you think you already know this. I know what I need. I know I need a pitch deck and I know I need my projections, blah, 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 blah. But please listen to the list. And I think you're going to be surprised by some of the non-traditional things I've included on the list. So let's get started. So, of course, as I mentioned, a solid pitch deck. Your pitch deck, I always say your pitch deck should be visually stunning. Some people don't agree with me on this. They say, well, you know, I saw Snapchat's first pitch deck and it was really basic, blah, blah, blah. Well, the thing about it is you don't know what the circumstances were around a company being funded. You just see a pitch. You don't know who they were pitching, how they were pitching. You're competing against other individuals for what I call the, the pile of money. And an angel investor has a pile of money on the table, and you have the ability to get a, that pile of money with your pitch deck, with what you're presenting. It should be stunning. And I'm not saying that you spend $10,000 on it. But it should be sharp looking. It should have great pictures, the illustrations, the charts, the graphs. It should be visually stunning. It should not look as if, well, you know what? I can just put whatever one in a pitch deck because once I get in, I'm going to wow them. No, your pitch deck opens the door for you because many times you're sending a pitch deck before you arrive at the meeting. So you're going to back up this stunning pitch deck with a stunning presentation. Second, it's the leave behind. So when they're considering how sharp you are, they're going to be looking at this pitch deck. I'll take angel investors, for example. When you pitch angels, and the next episode will be dedicated to this, but when you pitch angels, you're actually, actually pitching your potential partner. Many angel investors become intimately involved in the businesses that they fund. So therefore, 
What I'm saying is if you come out the gate with a great looking presentation, they're saying to themselves, wow, I want to align myself with this person. Look at how they presented just their pitch deck. Okay. So again, it should be visually stunning. The pitch deck should be proofed for accuracy and grammar. I know you're saying to me, oh, that goes without saying, but you don't know how many times I've sat in pitch meetings and seen presentations that were, that there are misspellings, that there's typos, and, and you just be shocked. Again, perfect numbers, great idea, great solutions, but it shows that you're being careless. And someone says, you know what? If they slip up with just this pitch deck, what else are they going to slip up with? This brings us to number two. You should have a solid one sheet, a one page version of your pitch deck. Again, visually stunning. And I, I forgot to mention this with the pitch deck. You should have your pitch deck 100% memorized. Okay, 100% memorized. And when you're pitching, and we'll talk about actually being in the meeting, never refer your investor to a particular page in lieu of you talking about it. So for example, investor goes, well, what blah, 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 and ask a question. And you say, well, that's on page five. And you just stand there. Not good. What you should be doing is said, oh, we actually articulate that and spell that out on page five. If we could just turn to page five and I'll talk more about it. Then the investor flip, 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 flip. Has You have the investor engaged. They turn to page five. They're right with you. And you answer the question and you look great. All right, next. Have a solid team. And this is a team that's in place whether you're a solo entrepreneur or an actual team. Now you may be saying, it's just me. What kind of team can I have? And we're going to talk about this. Forming your team as a solo entrepreneur. Very important that you have a team of some sort because you can't do everything. If you're at the point of seed funding, for example, and it's just yourself, you have a pitch deck, you have your one sheet, you've got all your tools in place, and you're looking for seed funding. Well, in your pitch deck, your five-year projections, did you work those out yourself? I'm listening. No, there's a good chance that you had to pull in someone to do your marketing plan. You might have had to pull someone in to do your five-year projections. Those people are part of your team. So the point I'm making is that even when it comes to building your pitch deck, getting projections, marketing plan, your comparable companies, don't try to get all this information, do all the research on your own. Form some type of a team, whether that's a consultant through Fiverr or Upwork. I worked with a team one time that needed an interim CFO, and they hired an interim CFO from Upwork. And that CFO took them all the way through their first seed funding round. Now, again, it was an individual, solo entrepreneur who had a startup, but was able to collect a team of individuals. Someone handled marketing. Someone handled, again, those financial projections. They weren't on a staff, but they were listed in the deck as individuals that are part of the team. And when it comes to forming your team and the actual meeting, I think it's very important sometimes not to go to meetings alone. 
And the reason I say sometimes is because sometimes the meeting may require that you attend the meeting just yourself. But it's always optimal to go to a pitch meeting with other people. And I have my own philosophy in terms of why you, a couple of people should be at the meeting. Now, I'm not saying bring 10 people and your aunt. What I'm saying is to walk into a meeting with two or three people when it's permissible. Sometimes it doesn't work and you really should go alone. But when you can, go on with multiple people. Then you can have someone open the meeting, someone close the meeting, someone else discusses numbers. There's someone there that can read the room and look at eyes and see interests. And one of you can just be another set of ears because even when it comes to questions and feedback, you can hear something very different than what, how someone else in the room may hear it. So next tool, I call this one, your versions tool. You must have different versions of your pitch more so based on time. So you need a one minute version, three minute version, a five minute version and a 15 minute version. And you may be saying to yourself, well, why do I need so many different versions? If I go into a pitch meeting and say the meeting's scheduled for 30 minutes, hey, I can take five minutes, 10 minutes, one minute, 15 minutes. It really doesn't matter. Not so fast. What if you walk into a pitch meeting and just as you're about to start your great 15 minute pitch that you've practiced for months on end and the phone rings, investor picks it up. And with a worried look on his face, he hangs up and says to you, uh, I've got an emergency to take care of. Look, I've only got like three minutes. I'd love to hear the pitch. So again, sorry to put you, you know under pressure, but look, I've only got three minutes. So you sit there in amazement. Now your 15 minute pitch is out the door. You've got three minutes to pitch, to get a little feedback and questions and do some type of follow-up. How are you going to do that if all you've got is your 15-minute pitch? Now, many of you may be thinking, how can I possibly pitch my wonderful product, my product that I've poured blood, sweat, and tears into for over three, five, ten years? My pitch deck alone is 30 pages. How can I possibly pitch it in three minutes? It's impossible. Well, I'll tell you, it's not impossible. If you step back and take a very objective look and say to yourself, okay, what is my product? Who does it serve? What problem does it solve? How much do I think I can make? Or what are my revenue projections for the first five years? How much do I need? What am I going to do with the money? Now, if I said, I need you to write down the answers to those, you only are able to use two sentences per answer. You'd have a three-minute three pitch. You would. You'd shock yourself. Now, you may struggle to keep it within two sentences, but you'd have a very short, straight-to-the-point pitch. Now, that brings us to number five, closing. You must have several reliable closing techniques. You must be able to ask for an investment ask for the check from an investor. I know so many people, they have this great pitch, they practice, they practice, they practice, but they don't have a reliable way to simply ask for the check, to simply close. And when I say closing, I know 
a lot of people get turned off by that. They says it they say it sounds too salesy. Well, you are selling yourself. You're selling your ideas, your concepts, your your product. You're selling yourself. So, you know, if you're like, oh, I don't feel like selling. I don't want to sell. I feel dirty, blah, blah, blah. Look, sales is a part of this process. It goes by other names. We call it pitching, but it's a type of selling. So I would say kind of work to let that go, that apprehension. You must be able to close. You must be able to bring your investor to that valley of decision where they're going to either write the check or say no. And no's are okay. No's are much better. I'll tell you, I'll take a no over silence. I'll take a no over delay anytime. You want to push your investor to either say yes or no. And some people, again, that may they say, well, it's an investor. I can't push them. No, you, you can push them. You can. I know a lot of investors that if you don't push them, they won't invest with you. Two, if you don't push them, they won't respect you. And three, if you don't push them, they won't move on your timetable. You have to let them know what your timetable is. You can build into your clothes that, yes, those that are interested in investing, we're looking to close by the end of this month. Is this something you'd be comfortable with? And then let there be silence. The old saying is, you know, the person that, that talks first after that point loses. So just be silent. Wait. All right. I want to recommend a great book by Grant Cardone called The Closer's Survival Guide. Dozens of closing techniques. And, um, you know, get, get a technique. Practice. And you have to practice your closing. You literally have to practice asking for the check. People spend... 99.9% .9 of their time articulating the revenue model and going over the marketing and blah, blah, blah. It's not uncommon for someone to be pitching, get about five minutes, 10 minutes into the pitch, and an investor says, look, stop. I'm really interested. What's the next step? And again, out of amazement, I've seen many individuals pitching have no follow-up to that. Because they did not practice a close. They did not practice what the next step would be in regards to getting the check, to getting the investment. So please practice it. Number six is follow-up. You need to have a solid follow-up strategy that includes the time you're going to follow up, the method you're going to be following up, whether it's email or an additional meeting or a phone call. And also, when it comes to follow-up, it's so important that during that follow-up process that you answer any open questions or issues that were raised at the pitch meeting. You don't know how many times that I've seen someone in a pitch meeting get a question, not be able to answer it, and then they don't follow up on it, they don't answer it again, and they wonder why the investor's not moving forward. Many times I've spoken to investors and they say, you know, when someone doesn't answer a question, I, I get so suspicious because I think they're hiding something. So please answer any open questions and issues through follow-up email, phone conversations, or additional meetings. Now, number seven is the most important one on this list for me, and that's have a positive attitude. You have to have a positive attitude in the meeting and after, no matter what's going on in the meeting or the outcome of the meeting. 
I've seen so many people blow a pitch meeting with a bad attitude. Another term I use for a pitch meeting, especially when it comes to angel investors, I call it a partnership audition. Okay. Now, if you think of it as an audition, a two-way audition, because you're, you're watching them and they're watching you. And I'm going to talk a lot about this in the next episode where I'll discuss the 10 secrets of pitching angel investors. You don't want to miss it. And I get more questions about angel investors than any other type of investor. In this partnership audition, you have to come to it with a positive attitude and a positive outlook. And they can pick up on any of your attitude and disposition. Come in there. Again, I'm not saying, you know, come in there with this huge joker smile and and look crazy. But I am saying go in there with a smile, with a solid handshake, looking great, with a great pitch deck, with all these great tools in place, with a great team, a great one sheet, great closing techniques, and that you're so impressive as a total package. Many people underestimate the power of a positive attitude. Again, as I mentioned, it's a partnership audition. They're looking at you saying, hmm, is this person sane? Is this person a solid business person? Is this person going to make me money? Is this person lying to me? They're trying to size you up, just like you're trying to size them up to see whether they're a good, a good investor for your, your project. And again, with a positive attitude, you're putting your best foot forward. You're giving them the best opportunity to see you in the most positive light. So, so go for it. Have a positive attitude going into those meetings. So that's my list of the top seven tools you must have for a successful pitch meeting. One, a solid pitch deck. Two, a one sheet. Three, a solid team. Four, versions of your pitch meeting. Five, solid closes. Six, follow-up. And seven, a positive attitude. So that brings us to the end of this episode, our first episode. So excited and proud of the Personality Pitching Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please give us a rating in iTunes and give us a review that helps us move up the ranks and be seen by more people like yourself. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date with the latest episode. I want to thank you so much again for listening. And remember, if you have any questions or feedback, please send it to personalitypitching at gmail.com. Again, that's personalitypitching at gmail.com. For more information about me or consulting, or you want to book some time with me, visit personalitypitching.com. And remember, keep pitching and your dreams will come true. Take care. Have a great week.